0: Welcome to the Excelsior Podcast.
1: <laughs> Here with Nell Curry, and uh, she is a I should call you by your nickname. Hold on. Superwoman? Because <laughs> you do everything. <laughs> Sure, that sounds great. Thanks,
0: Britt. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like other people to call me by that title, too, if I possible. I know, I
1: think that'd be a great title. Because <laughs> right. you do, you um, are the owner, a newly owner, I guess is how you call it, of yeah. the Bird House, mm-hmm. um, the restaurant, and then you are a teacher, Yep. a school teacher, and a mother of two, three?
0: Three, three. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half. That the oldest one can can do a lot for himself now. Yeah. So thank goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, one second. Alexa, stop. I forgot to. Turn it off. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, so tell me, because you started out, you were a teacher um, after you worked in the service industry. Is that right?
0: And during. So yeah, I worked in the service industry, starting you know through all through college and. Um, went to school, I went back to get my special ed teaching license a little bit later, like later in my twenties. And I, when, when I first started teaching, I made no money. I mean, you make nothing when you first start teaching. So I couldn't afford my rent on my teaching salary. And so then I hopped back into, uh, serving and that's how I met Josh. So, yeah, so then I had, um, so I was doing both for like that first year we were dating. I was teaching and then I was serving at the restaurant he had been managing. And then, um, that was a lot to, to work together after we had started dating. And I didn't, luckily I didn't need to continue to serve on nights and weekends after a few years of teaching. So then, um. But you, that is what brought us together, like, as a couple, was that we both just had a lot of restaurant and bar industry experience. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: And you guys met at the Bulldog? Is yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. the Bulldog. So the one in Uptown, I was, I, that's where I lived um, from moving here. I moved to Minneapolis in 2003. I grew up in St. Cloud. Oh, okay. central Minnesota. Um, and so I moved down to the Minneapolis in 2003 and lived in Uptown, and my first teaching job was at one of the schools that is Lindale Elementary, which mm-hmm. is in the Uptown kind of area, and had some friends that I had served with <coughs> at another bar in Minneapolis, and that's, they kind of hooked me up with the job at nice. the Bulldog. Josh and I did not start dating, though, until I had worked there probably at least a year or so. Um, oh, wow. He was a rule follower, and he was a manager, and wasn't technically supposed to date employees, and so he was a rule follower, but we did start dating about a year later, Um, and then Josh stayed. I mean, he stayed at the Bulldog for a long time after that until the birdhouse became an actual thing, so.
1: Yeah. Um, I know. I think Josh told me about how he was, like, he found out somebody else was dating someone like, in management, and that's when he was like, wait, does that mean I can date now?
0: Yep, yep, Mr. Oh gosh, Real Follower. Okay,
1: is my mic on? I want to just, hello. Oh, my gosh, my mic wasn't on. Okay. <laughs> you can still hear me, though. You can. There we go. Okay. But, yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> sorry, is she kicking you? No, not at all. So I see her feet, like, no, just coming so behind you. she's so sweet. What a puppy. Yeah, she's a kicker sometimes. Um... But yeah, okay, so then you worked at the Bulldog, and then as you were teaching, and then did mm-hmm. you, where did you go from there? Did you go just to teaching? Then I just
0: was, a, yep, then I just taught. I was, I, well, still, still with Minneapolis Public Schools, and so my background, is, I have... Special ed licenses in autism spectrum disorders and developmental and cognitive disabilities. So I've always worked in elementary schools, oh, cool. um, and with students that you know have some pretty unique needs. Mm-hmm. And um, when I I taught for eleven years, I was at Lindale Elementary oh, wow. for eleven years as an autism teacher, and then. Um, I wanted this, this job that I have now is technically I work, so there's directors of special education, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's teachers of special education and I kind of work in the middle. So I work for one of the directors that we have in our district, Mm -hmm. um, on her team and I support eight elementary schools with their special ed programming. So, um... A lot of them are up in North Minneapolis, um, which is the neighborhood that we live in. So I really, really enjoy that. I like living, working, teaching in the same area. But yeah, so I have that's currently my role that I hold in Minneapolis Public Schools is that these eight elementary schools, um, the special ed teachers and team that work there, they kind of just re- reach out to me, and whatever I, they need from me, I'm sort of the go, go-to go person. So I just spend some of my days in schools, bouncing around from schools. Um, oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: It's fun.
1: Eight schools. How do you keep track of all that? That's
0: a good question.
1: In the eight <laughs> schools, they all have
0: different needs. I have to be adaptable to sort of what they have going on in the building and sure. what their teams have going on. So that's been a hard part for me to get used to like in this, uh, this is my fourth school year in this role that I have right now. Um, and that has honestly probably been the biggest challenge for me is just having to try to keep it all straight.
1: Yeah. As a
0: teacher, you, you kind of like you're in control of your, your domain, mm-hmm. you know, like your classroom and you've all your plans and everything. You just have a lot more control. The, re- the position I have right now, I am sort of working for and with, the teachers and teams whenever they need to meet or want sure. to meet. Um, and this this last, I mean, talking about a pandemic in schools. Yeah, but right? that must
1: be difficult, especially with having to be adaptable already. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's just been hard to watch because it has really taken a toll on the adults, the students that, you know, this is just... It happened so abruptly back in March of 2020, and nobody really even knew we were going to be gone for more than a week, right? And then here we are now, I mean, September 2021, and I don't think anybody really expected to come back this school year um, with all of this still going on. I mean, just currently, every day we're hearing more and more of the school, or you know, the the students on quarantine, the teachers on quarantine. I mean... So it's definitely not gone the direction that I think everybody thought last year. We would not be in this place this fall again.
1: Yeah, that's got to be hard. Do you have, is it distance learning with um, any of the schools? Like, do they go back and forth to it?
0: Yeah. um, Sounds like right now, so like, currently we have a whole high school on quarantine. Um, And so the whole high school moved to distance learning for... I believe, two weeks. I'm not exactly sure, but... And I don't really even... Yeah. So, otherwise, at our elementaries, it sounds like we're, you know... It doesn't have to be the entire class of quarantine this year, but you need to... Anyone that was in, like, close contact needs to be on quarantine. And it's really... At this point, it's becoming stressful because of the, like, 14 days. The the burden that that puts on families is a lot, too, Mm -hmm. because... I don't know that employers are as forgiving as they were in the beginning about, yeah. you know, families, caregivers needing to be home with their children, um, whereas now it's, like, it's students put on a quarantine for 14 days. What does uh, the family m- do? You know what I mean? It's yeah. just um, – and it affects – I mean, this is, this is where, like, it affects families differently, and mm. it affects – you know, like in Minneapolis, we have our students who need school. They need yeah. the stability of school, you know, mm-hmm. and socioeconomically, it, they don't... This has really put such a burden on their families. Parents yeah. have lost jobs and, you know, um, Just, so...
1: Just fr- have you seen that firsthand, like a parent having to quit their job because mm-hmm. of, oh, that's hard?
0: Yeah, well, and especially in my my realm of special education when students, you know, when everybody was forced to, to go home and do distance learning for mm. all those months, I mean, imagine kiddos with really significant needs, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and these family members, it's not, you can't just sit them down in front of a Chromebook and say, here, right. listen to the, the lesson, you so know? They have so
1: have to be more attentive and Right,
0: right, um, and so it was really heartbreaking, I mean, Everybody, all students, all families have been affected, but yeah. for me, watching what this has done to, to families um, with students that have very e- unique disabilities mm-hmm. is heartbreaking because they really have been left to struggle, someone on their own, you know? Um,
1: is it a thing that, like, you could, like, you could do, like, I guess you can't do home visits because it's quarantine. No one can. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So, yeah, we couldn't go into homes. Um there was not a whole I mean teachers were getting creative holy buckets yeah. teachers were really getting creative and I you know like <coughs> watching what they pulled off in yeah. a matter of days even when students got sent home and then having to learn all of this technology overnight and how to teach online like that it yeah. was crazy um but yeah it there's just there were students that were unable to, to really participate in so much of that. And then on the flip side, <laughs> to have a positive note, like, they, there were students that did really well online. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, were some students who really excelled at online learning.
1: different personalities mm-hmm. that learn differently. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, like, I think there were some students who having um, all of the pressures and the stressors of school, mm-hmm. You know, like, being in the environment removed, they were able to, like, focus and learn. And, you know, so some, we did see some students that had a lot of growth, actually, doing online learning. Um, And that's still an option. So, the online school is still an option for families now.
1: Oh, really? Uh So, they could, they have the choice.
0: Minneapolis has an online school that they, we've always had it for high school, Mm. um, but, through COVID they now have um, created a K-12 online school that oh, wow. they hired a bunch of teachers and then with the Delta variant stuff happening in late August mm-hmm. we saw a huge surge of families switching to the online school oh, wow. for this school year um, I'm sure just like leading up to school and, and realizing things were not getting much better so we had to like quickly hire more staff and kind of wow. grow the program oh very quickly. Because, yeah, there's some, now there's a lot of families who are still choosing to enroll through the online school. That's a little different than distance learning, yeah, which is where all schools were doing it. This is, you know, we now have an online option. So oh. education has taken some different, you know, like through all of this I think that um, we will never c- go back to what we were yeah. before, you know. Like we'll, I think, always now have some new ways of yeah. teaching new ways of reaching kids.
1: Yeah. Do you think that um, it'll go to, like, not having to enter a classroom again someday? I'm
0: currently, like, like literally today, I'm feeling like <clears throat> we're pro- we could easily be heading back into distance learning mm-hmm. as a district. Mm-hmm. And I only say that because it's so... All of a sudden, in, in just a short few weeks of time that school has been open... I mean we're just seeing these cases, positive cases happening. I yeah. had a friend who's a teacher just test positive last night. Oh and he's gosh. double vaccinated but had second grade teacher and had, you know, a yeah. group of kids okay. that were sick in his classroom that tested positive. And so he's been taking tests for the last 5 days. Oh my god. And over the weekend started not feeling well and sure enough tested positive last night.
1: Oh my and gosh. so,
0: you know, like he'll be out. So that's a teacher who's out with COVID yeah. and a handful of the kids in this class. And that happens so quick, you uh, know,
1: what happens? Do they have a substitute then for the <clears throat> probably, Yeah.
0: which again, we're super short instead, just like the rest of the world, Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. we'll get to the restaurant, but yeah, yeah. same thing is happening in education oh where gosh. we're just really short staffed. And so um, not only are teaching positions, harder to hire for, but things like substitutes. Mm. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the news and the bus drivers and, you know, every, pretty much every facet of education is also experiencing staff shortages. Um, and so that on top of coming out of these, like what, 20 two months or whatever it's been of like, you know, you can just, you can feel it. It's palpable in the schools. It's palpable with the adults and the kids where it's just, this is starting to really wear on people.
1: It's crazy. I was just thinking, I think the hardest thing, one of the hardest things is restaurants, um, being a teacher and being a mother with a kid in school. And you have all three, (laughs) (laughs) like they are dealing with right now during this time yeah because yeah, that's wild.
0: Yeah. It is wild. Well, and you wouldn't have, I mean, nobody knew COVID was coming, obviously, yeah. you know, but it's true. And it's like trying to figure out which one of those, like they're stressful in different ways on different days, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah, our family having to be home. I mean, I think quarantine or I should say, moving toward, like, when we all had some shift real suddenly to, you know, online learning and everybody Mm -hmm. was at home. Those were some really hard months, having to try to work from home, having to try to you know, parent during the day when your kid is supposed to be online Mm -hmm. learning and we have a toddler and he was home for the first few months because his, his daycare provider is in her 70s. And, you know, so like when COVID first hit, he didn't go to daycare for a few months. And looking back on that, like that was a crazy couple months.
1: And that was in the beginning. (laughs) That was
0: like right when COVID happened. And then, you know, we all just had to sort of shift
1: so were you, were you teaching, too, on top of it from home, trying to get your kid to go to school from home and then try to take care of a toddler? Mm-hmm.
0: Oof. Yeah. And I just did, I mean, like, I had, my job, a lot of it is meetings. I attend a lot of meetings, yeah. whether they're about students or staff, you know, whatever. And so for me, we just shift. I mean, everything kind of went virtual for our meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Just like everyone else. And the interesting thing is now I've noticed we're not necessarily going back to in-person meetings. I have some. Mm-hmm. I do have some, like, school teams that will are, are meeting in person or, you know. But I would say at least 50%, if not more, of my meetings are still virtual. Oh, wow. So even a team that's meeting at a school they still might do a Google meet and they just all hop on from their classroom. Yeah. You know, so it's just weird stuff like that where I think a lot about, is this how it's just going to be? Yeah. And there's part of it that's kind of convenient because I used to spend so much of my day driving because I, you know, if you're going between Mm -hmm. eight schools, it's like you just, you're putting on a lot of miles. It's a lot. And (laughs) the drive time in between, you always had to schedule into, you know, like factor Mm in. well. I can basically, you know, have meetings back to back if they're online and I don't have to. So part of it is a lot more efficient in some ways, you know, but it also is just not as it's more impersonal.
1: Yeah. Especially because you deal with a lot of kids with autism and special needs. Hmm. Um, Now, not to veer away from the COVID thing, but why um, kids with autism and special needs? Did you choose that or did you kind of just like end up in that? Did you um decide going into school that you wanted to deal with um kids like children like that yeah well
0: so I (coughs) my undergrad degree I have an art degree Mm -hmm. and my whole plan back then I was like I think I want to be an art teacher that sounds awesome right cool and um I finished the art portion of it, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get the heck out of St. Cloud as quickly as possible, so I moved to Minneapolis, and then my plan was like to go back to get the teaching portion of it. Oh, sure. Um, and it's funny, because my mom was a teacher, oh, yeah. and my mom's always told me, like, you're gonna be a teacher, and there was a lot of years where it's like, no, nope, that's <laughs> not gonna happen, you know? And um, she's like, okay, well, I still think you're gonna be a teacher, and so sure enough, come, come to, like, when I'm in my mid twenties and I was like, okay, now it's time to go back and get the like te- uh, the teaching license. Yeah. The reality is there's not very many art teacher positions, right? Oh, like that's, wow. there's one art teacher at every building I and mean, it's, yeah. it's not a job that's, you know, it's hard to get those jobs. And I had in high school, I had always, um, I had done a lot of work like been a PCA and I just done mm-hmm. things with kids with disabilities mm-hmm. and I loved those jobs and so then when I was looking into programs to go back to school, I was like, yeah, I probably should do special ed because that yeah. seems like something that, you know, I'm into. And mm-hmm. I'm super glad I did. And I didn't really know what type of like when you special ed licensure, there's different areas, you know, yeah. like you, you specialize in a different area. And mm-hmm. I really didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. Um, but I started working in a job in a classroom and I was really gravitated towards the kiddos with autism and they're just super fascinating to me you know and um so then it was right at they didn't even have a license for it back Mm -hmm. at that time um because obviously autism was around but it still was sort of on like the the numbers were still going up right and so they didn't even have a license for that at the time and um i ended up got my first you know my license my first teaching license and i actually got hired for my job before i was even licensed to teach um which is funny but happens a lot in the area of special ed because there's such a huge shortage of special ed teachers and so um school districts oftentimes hire teachers on what's called a variance or like you're almost done with your program but you're not quite done yeah but because there's you know, unfilled positions, they can hire people on a variance. And so that's how I even got hired back then. I wasn't even done with my license. But there was just a big, there was a big demand. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so then that was a great way to, like, get a job pretty quickly.
1: And you like it, too, right? Oh, I love it, yeah. I feel like you have a great personality to be patient and deal with that.
0: It's funny because, like, you, your person... I do. Thank you. Yes. And I do have patience (laughs) and I do, but I have way more patience as a teacher than I do in other, like I notice as a parent, I'm not nearly (laughs) as patient as a parent as I am a teacher. Oh gosh. No. (laughs) Um, but that's the hardest thing with like the current position I have is I work with adults now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go, you know, I support a teacher with a student. Sure. Right. But it's so different last. So last year, when everything was crazy town and Mm -hmm. people, you know, we were trying to open schools back up and Minneapolis public schools opened back up in February. Mm -hmm. And I was, at that time, we were really short staffed in all of these, so they pulled me back into the classroom and I went to teach. I was actually went back to an autism classroom and I went to teach for like six weeks. and I was terrified to do it because it was kind of, like, crazy. Like, I got an email yeah. on Friday night that says I was starting Monday morning. Oh, you know? my was like, <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, but it turned out to be, like, the greatest six weeks because it was a really good reminder of how much I just love teaching.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, it's just,
0: awesome. it's, it's not something, you know, it's not a job. It's, that's not what teaching is. Teaching yeah. is, it's like your heart, you know? Oh yeah. And you just, I can't get that with adults.
1: Yeah. Even though mm-hmm. I,
0: I work with some really awesome adults and yeah. really great teachers, it's kids bring you a kind oh. of joy and energy that like you will never ever get from adults. So yeah. I think a lot about going back into the classroom to teach again.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Kids are great, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. And we just get older and get more stiff and yeah. <laughs> judgy and mean to each other right <laughs> We lose that pureness <laughs> well, in
0: families, I think that's another thing that really draws me into the job oh, that yeah. I have is like families you know, and they're at such different places mm-hmm. with their child having a disability mm-hmm. and so I learned pretty quickly as a new teacher that it's not it's not just you're not just teaching kids you're oh, you're yeah. really really forming relationships and connecting with families, you know, because there's a lot of families that really depend on us for information, for support, for Mm -hmm. help, especially, you know, a child having a significant disability. It's like, and being an elementary teacher, I was oftentimes or am oftentimes working with families who this is a newer thing for them. Right. And so like they're still going through a a lot of their own emotions Mm Grieving process, yeah, you know? I know th- that's
1: really helpful too, because a lot of times they feel alone in it, and meeting somebody like you is like, No, this happens, or this is okay, you'll get through this, or you mm-hmm. know like learning and stuff mm-hmm. i know I know a lot of people who do have children with like disabilities, and it is hard mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard right,
0: so I got an invitation um. It was in the springtime and unfortunately I couldn't go but my gosh it was just it made my heart explode. I got an invitation for a graduation party for a student that I had from kindergarten mm. and his <laughs> mom his mom sent you know, sent me the email with this his picture and everything attached and she's like, I know, you know, our family would love it if you could come to his graduation party and see what you started and I was Aww. just like Oh my <laughs> gosh
1: God. I wanna cry. That is so yeah. sweet. So I mean like
0: you truly like I have I have families that I still keep in contact with, Ugh. that I still, you know, I just, yeah. So the family part of it um, is a huge, and I miss that because I don't yeah. get to, I, I don't get to a lot of um, interactions with families on a positive. I sometimes at this, this, in this role, I come into meetings or into situations yeah, that aren't always so positive. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: That's that is, awesome. But yeah. That is so awesome. Um, so then you decided also while teaching to open up a restaurant in the middle of a (laughs) pandemic, but that part you didn't really decide, right? It was, you decided to open it and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me about that journey. Yeah. That journey. One second. Tell me about your journey.
0: Um, so (coughs) yeah, I remember that one time we opened a restaurant, (laughs) so it wasn't, I mean, I told you Josh and I met it you know, working in the service industry. And so it was definitely kind of, it's always been a passion of both of ours. And even though that's not my world, um, my career world, I still just love, 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 love restaurants. Um,
1: and you're well known. A lot of people in Uptown know you as their server at the Bulldog and they love you. I just want to put that out there.
0: because I'm a talker. because <laughs> yeah. I talk a lot. <laughs> that's, that's part of it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... I, it's so a, we, Josh and I have been together, oh gosh, 12, 12 years, 12, thir- wow. almost 13, long time, um, and he, st- he stayed working at the Bulldog, like I had said, you know, long after we had been dating, and I stopped working there, and, um, it was always just, like, a fun, fun conversation. Like we would yeah. just sort of dream about, well, if we could ever do this, what would we do, you know? And yeah. we live up in um North Minneapolis, up in an area that's really quite a food desert. We just mm-hmm. we do not have choices, we do not have a lot of options for going out to eat. Most of what we do have is fast food options. Um and so the area that, you know, we kind of always dreamed of being able to open something where we live or around where we live, and then ended up, you know, along the way, we've had some children. Josh's son from his first marriage, who's now 20, Um, (laughs) and then we have our own two. Um, Jada's nine and Cohen is three, (laughs) and we all live under one roof at the same, at this moment, Um, but we wanted some place, like, once we had kids, then it got even harder because the few places we did have up kind of around us were not really kid friendly, yeah. you know, or not easy kid friendly. Mm-hmm. And so then that became, so then it moved from, you know, these dreaming about a restaurant bar to like dreaming about a restaurant bar that we could take our own unruly children to, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And yeah. so didn't honestly think it would happen. Josh yeah. and, I mean, Josh and I do not come from money. We are not rich people by any sure. stretch. And I think, <laughs> Most people just assume you got to have a lot of money, right? Yeah. And so um, I think we had dreamed of probably like the reality of thinking, well, maybe we would go in on a restaurant someday with some other partners, yeah. you know? Well, this spot in Robin's deal. Used to be the Canton Gardens yeah. Chinese restaurant for I don't know 40 years maybe. Oh my gosh,
1: 40. I didn't it was a long
0: that. time. It was wow. there a long time. I don't actually know, but it seemed like forever. Yeah. Um, I've never eaten there. I, <laughs> I'm sad to say I never <laughs> ate there, but I knew it was there. It was yeah. kind of a nondescript place, but I knew, you know, like I when I heard the name, I was like, oh, I know where that place is. But, um, the building had been sold. And some investors wanted, um, the people that bought the building wanted a bar and restaurant to go into it.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And there was just some connections that, that Josh had to this whole conversation and there, you know, through some other channels of, you know, going to have partners, the now not going to have partners, it became a thing and it mm-hmm. was like, well, if you guys, you know, if you want to sign a lease, like you guys. It was presented to us as this existing restaurant that just needs to be cleaned up a little <laughs> bit. And it'll be good to go. You know, the furniture's in it. Everything's there. That wasn't the case. And right? that was not the case. <laughs> and so, I mean, we went to tour it. I remember going to tour it, and I was just like, oh, my God, this place, it was really dark. It yeah. was just really kind of gross. Um, But we did think we were just going to be able to, like, Knocked down a few walls, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. Um, they left, so the people who had been running or owned this restaurant left every single thing in it, oh including gosh. the dirty dishes in the dishwasher, including <gasps> all of the food <laughs> in the coolers what? and the freezers. Everything they didn't take one single thing out of there when they left.
1: Oh my gosh, and so
0: then the landlords, once this project actually. Became a reality, and the landlords that owned the building were like, "Well, we can either pay to have somebody come in and like empty it out for you guys, yeah. or you can have everything in it." Yeah. I mean, we're talking dishes, silver, everything. You know, tons oh my of gosh. storage in the basement, even like new stuff. Anyway, and we were like, "Well, yeah, we'll take ever, we'll take all of it." You yeah. know, thinking that was a huge undertaking, and I think Uh in hindsight, we probably should have just taken them up on the, like, you clear it out yourself, and we'll start, because it was, that was a huge project, trying to empty that place out, and then in the end, we really didn't use anything.
1: Oh, no. Right? So it's
0: like, it started off in this, um, yeah, we'll just polish it up, and it'll be ready to go, and it turned into, the building actually had to get completely gut like ripped out the plumbing, ripped out the electrical, everything. It went down to a shell because the building was built in 1893. And so it's a historic building, that little main street. It's all historic buildings, which is why it's so cute. But, um, and so over the years of just kind of pasting and patching things together, like it was just in really bad shape. So, this was after we, you know, signed the lease and like we're gonna make a restaurant when happen. When was that?
1: When did you? So sign? this
0: was like October, I think October two thousand nineteen is when Josh and I signed the lease officially as like the owners. Oh fun! And, yeah.
1: Right before the yeah.
0: Right because then so this was like October, and um, we were able to figure out financing mm-hmm. with we had um. We were able to get an SBA loan, which now would never happen after COVID, but we were able, which is really hard to get an SBA loan for a new restaurant. Um, so I'm really proud of my husband because he, he really knows his stuff and he was, he was able to write a really kick-ass business plan. Um, and was able to, so we were able to secure an SBA loan, um, signed our lease, everything's everything's moving, and then it's like, okay, well, we have to do a ton of construction now, it turns yeah. out, because this place is kind of crappy, um, which, in the end, I'm not mad about because it's so beautiful oh, in okay, there that is. I couldn't be happier that we had to gut it out. Um, but, yeah, so then everything had been moving, like, right along. This is October, signing the lease and stuff, and um, construction set was started in January of 2020 is when they started gutting it and <laughs> I mean it moved fast yeah. it was like oh my gosh
1: yeah, um it's just October that's what like three months yeah or, yeah. yeah so
0: it, everything kind of started moving fast so the original anticipated opening date um was supposed to be March of 2020
1: Okay, so, <laughs> which is comical now. Now it's comical. <laughs> we even
0: have like a flyer. I think it was a city pages ad we put out that had a, we put our like first ad out and yeah. it says like, Oh, coming March, 2020 to Robbinsdale. And it was like, Oh God, <laughs> um, so construction started in January, everything was moving full steam ahead with that. Yeah. Um, and we had anticipated March kind of looking like maybe it would be April, like with construction, you know, that's pretty t- typical. And March came, we were not ready to open at that point, but I mean, you know, stuff had been moving along and obviously we all know what happened. So that time, so the banker that we had been working with, um, told us, walk away, don't keep going with this project. Um, she's like, absolutely not, you know? And so a lot of, I would say a lot of like business advising, Folks told us walk away Wow. and we'd have to claim bankruptcy because we had the debt, you know, I mean, whether or not we opened it, we still had the debt to hear that
1: news. Yeah. That and it dream. felt really, it felt
0: just really like defeating, yeah. you know, like that's what you want us to do. And at the time they were so, um, anybody who's connected, I mean, she's the banker who's on the loan. And I think for her, it was like, well, you're never, you're never going to get this off the ground yeah, at this point. They
1: wanted their money and they wanted their money back, yeah. you know?
0: And so, um, so I remember Josh and I were just I mean we were we were just so shocked. Yeah. For a while that it was kind of like what what? You know. Yeah. Um and it's still crazy to think about now. Actually to think about like all of those years dreaming about this happening and then the freaking month it's supposed to open. Isn't t- that crazy? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's just like, that is your, that's like bad luck, it feels like. <laughs> it, do, it
0: did feel like bad luck. It yeah. actually felt like, and then it, we started, I think, you know, we got it, we got depressed. It got hard. I oh, mean, it yeah. was like, what are we doing? And now we owe all this money and we, don't, we can't even get the doors open. And yeah. construction was still happening mm-hmm. during those first months of COVID. I mean, yeah. so many other things were shut down, but construction was still... An essential position. And so, like, that... They were still Still moving forward. Yep. But then it started... What happened and what did slow down stuff was that manufacturing was slowing down. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, tile. We wanted really cool tile for the bathrooms. Yeah. And, I mean, I picked out probably five different tile. All of them were couldn't get them couldn't get you know so like sourcing stuff started to get hard okay so towards the end where it was like all you know you're putting up your light fixtures and that stuff it was like that's when we started running into hurdles just i think because manufacturing had gotten slowed down sure um and then at that at some point i mean we ran out of money Mm -hmm. right because we Mm should have been open we should have been generating revenue at mm-hmm. this point and we are still not open. We're still spending money. We're sure. still trying you know what I mean? And yep. so that some like that started getting really hard on us. I could you know, I can think back to that spring, early summer where mm-hmm. it was just a lot of stress. Um and but through it all, we opened on August third of yeah. twenty
1: twenty. So did you open for takeout or did you, open it was
0: open. So like that is when, um, restaurants had been opened up again, you know, like they were shut down for a while. I don't even remember what the, they shut down in, in the I first part. I do remember part.
1: that. Yeah. It shut down for a good chunk of time and then they let you reopen within reason.
0: Yeah. So you still had like 50% capacity and like mm. some of those rules, but they, when we opened August 3rd, restaurants were open at that point. And luckily we had a patio, we have a patio outside and that was outdoor seating. seating, So that has always still to this day has been great. Um, but, and then the inside we just had limited, like we didn't set up all the furniture. We didn't put all the tables together, you know? And so, um, It was open from August. And I think then the second shutdown was like October, October. So we were only open a few months, like to the, you know, open indoors to the public, Yeah, had a a good first few months. I mean, the problem was that the whole way that this was designed, you, you know, this, this killer business plan my husband made is, is based on a certain number of seats right mm-hmm. like occupancy
1: right and
0: when you take away 50 percent of your seats you simply like the math doesn't work you can't right. generate the income you need to to be able to cover the costs. so that has been still is but definitely getting better like a big stressor because yep. restaurants it's not like just having the doors open mm-hmm. make money i mean you have to have butts and seats, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so that's been a challenge. We can, I mean, now we don't have to be at 50% capacity, but as you know, you know, you still can't have tables crammed or I don't think people would feel comfortable coming in.
1: Right. Right. Um, so tell me, so I'm curious, what made you keep going when you kind of, when they told you that you should pull out and file bankruptcy, but you didn't, you stuck it out, not really even knowing what was going to happen with the pandemic? What made you stick
0: that out? Um, I think Josh and I are just really stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> we're both stubborn. <laughs> and I think we both were just kind of like, in our minds, there's no way this could be a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. this can't go on forever, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is this COVID and how could the, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, guess, I think he and I, quite honestly, just weren't allowing ourselves to really believe mm-hmm. that it was as bad as it turns out it was. Yeah. Right. And so we were like, I mean, I remember my reaction when hearing the banker said to walk away. And I was just like, you crazy. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I just thought like that was the dumbest thing to say. I look back now and I understand where she was coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I don't think we could wrap our brains around this being such a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are days, I mean, Tush and I are in love with, with this restaurant. I mean, Mm. it's our baby for sure. And you know, we did, we did a lot of it ourselves. We didn't have a lot of designers or people doing that, you know, which was fun. I'm a thrift store queen, as you know, (sighs) Britt. So, so much thrifting.
1: Yeah. How, so how did you, um, come up with the theme? If, have you guys talked about this over the years, like what it would be like, or did you actually sit down and be like, I want it to look this way and have this theme? Like...
0: Yeah, that's actually funny, because we had a not, n- no, we had not really, like, talked about the theme, necessarily. I think the thing that Josh and I always talked about was just easy food, but good, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy or nothing, because, again, going back to that, like, p- a place we can bring our kids, yeah, you like know? Something
1: that they would enjoy, right. and everybody.
0: So, good food. Mm-hmm. But not things you, you know, are not recognizable food. Sure. Um, and so that was, I would say, more so the theme that we always came to was, like, it's just good food, good drinks, but super easy, casual, you know. Yeah. Kind of like a bulldog, except to me, bulldog wasn't, isn't that kid friendly. Yeah. So my, like, you know, it was kind of like huh. the, the idea of a bulldog, an easy, I mean, bulldog has great food, always has, mm-hmm. you know, just consistently good food. But I wanted the, like, Family. family-friendly yeah. little twist to it. But I want to be able to have a cocktail and bring my kids somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, and that's definitely. a really hard concept. There's not a ton of places, as a parent, that I would say I feel comfortable with that or that yeah. I feel aren't, you know, people side-eyeing my kids or something. Yeah. And so, like...
1: Or, like, oh, they brought our kid here. Yeah. Right.
0: And so um, I would say that was more the idea, like, with the theme, And then, as we started the process, I mean, the first step, really, after, like, you know, your business plan and some of that is, like, what is our logo?
1: Yeah. What is
0: our, you know, like, and um, Josh and I, we have a mutual friend who is a graphic designer, Mm -hmm. and Chris lives in Robbinsdale. Um,
1: Yeah, Chris and Jen. Chris and Jen, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and he, so he was, you know, of course, the. Person that we called, we're like, hey, guess what? <laughs> we're doing this thing. And so that was really fun, like just starting all that stuff, you know? So, Chris, it was like, here's a mock up. He gave us, I think, nine different logo ideas. Cool. So I remember it sort of starting with the logo, yeah. is when we started thinking through more of that, like more of the design aspect of it. And Josh and I are both just kind of hippies at heart, you know? I love it. Like, so for us, it was sort of like our style has always been similar which is like really great because at home like we like the same colors we like crazy you know we have lots of bright colored walls and you know so like we so it's not hard for us that's an easy area in our relationship and so then it felt kind of easy picking out like colors and some of that and we both I mean we just dig the 70s you know we both really dig the colors of the 70s a lot and then that vibe just started like Coming through, you know, sourcing Mm -hmm. out lights and I mean the hours and hours we spent on the internet. Light fixtures are awesome. I love the light fixtures, and it's like they're all, you know, it would be like we'd find this one and okay that one's cool, and then we'd find another one, you know. So it wasn't like (laughs) we had this whole thing put together in our minds, and then when you're a thrifter,
1: yes, which I love to do. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and I so it's I can't really like the decor. Mm -hmm. I can't necessarily I mean I know what I'm looking for like I kind of have Themes of things when I'm out thrifting that I'm looking for, but it, you know what I mean. You can't pick exactly what you want. No. You just kind of see what. So that's sort of how. It's
1: like a journey when you walk into a thrift store. Yeah, it really is. It really is. <laughs> oh my god, it's my favorite. It's like such a high. I it love is. it. It is. I know you get creative. Like I feel like the creative juices go when you're like looking at really cool things that you had no idea you would find. Yeah, I love it.
0: And I don't. So that part of so that part of the birdhouse where it's pretty eclectic. Mm -hmm. Like the dishes, right? Yeah. Thrifting for the dishes. That, soon after we signed the lease, I had this like idea of these, you know, the 70s stoneware dishes. And I I remember Josh was kind of like, oh, whatever. Okay. Like he kind of thought it was a weird idea or, or, you know, just wasn't that into it. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, these (laughs) dishes. And he's just like, all right. And so I had started, you know grabbing them as I'd seen them yeah. at the thrift store. My dad, I get my love of thrifting from my grandmother and my father. Aww. And so my dad, I put him on the, the mission for, for plates too. And so we had really, we had collected like 200 plates by the time, oh you know, gosh. we even were able to like haul them into the restaurant. <laughs> and then the fun part was, it was like something that other, you know, something that people were kind of like, sure, whatever, now has turned out to be one of the faves. Like people love, oh, they love,
1: they love it. They love it. People yeah.
0: lo- I mean, I did, ha- I didn't anticipate them getting all of the reactions they do from people, but I love it because yeah. you set them on the table and oh, my grandma had those. Oh, yeah. oh my aunt had those. Yep. Oh my, you know, everyone's got a story.
1: They all have a story. I know I've heard so many like great stories of going, getting the dishes when they're little and remembering like you got like a deal where you walked into a store and you got a stack of dishes on your way out or something with coupons and yeah. 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 That's so cool.
0: And I think that's where, like, the style part of it, I we had, I don't think we anticipated all of the, like, vintage feel necessarily. Oh, but you
1: didn't? I mean, we did, but no,
0: I don't, I feel like it kind of organically happened that cool. way a little bit because it was like, there were certain things we ordered new. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, light fixtures and, you know, yeah. I mean, there's certain things we ordered new, but then it was like i really just started and i say i because i do the thrifting like that's jam. not really josh's yeah. <laughs> jam um and i just started finding cool stuff like yeah. i started collecting mirrors and started collecting you know I love and the then it was like wall. okay well now i got a bunch of mirrors where should we put them you know so it's just like yeah. it's, just, it's just happened that way and our cool. goal kind of is that we we kind of keep doing it so mm-hmm. we may have to take some things down, put some more things yeah. out. You know what I mean? Like, moving some things around.
1: And I know there's been, like, talk, ideas, like, of, like, maybe even, like, putting stuff up for sale, and then if someone likes it or something, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And there's and maybe there's a
0: local, I um, and she, I think, is really busy because her, her new small business is blowing up, but, like, she lives in Robbinsdale and she does handmade macrame, so... We already have some macrame in the wall, which yeah. I think is a perfect fit. But so I've talked to her a little bit about if she wanted to um, sell some, sell some. Yeah. like we could hang them as like cool. decoration, but then they could also be for sale. So like little things like that, I think I'd love to get
1: and just like so, yeah, bring in, like different artists and small business stuff into mm-hmm. your store that'd be kind of cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean that's part of, I think. That's become one of my favorite things about Mm Robbinsdale and having a business in Robbinsdale is Mm -hmm. just how many other people just like us. Yeah. You know, just random folks. Yeah. Trying to do something cool, you know? I mean, Golden Age next door, Bill and Kara, they're a young couple. Yeah, whole
1: strip is... Yeah. Yeah, It's just, it's
0: a really cool strip and it's... it reminds, has that, like, small town vibe to it, but yeah. you see the Minneapolis skyline, you I've, know?
1: I fell in love with it. I've been looking to, like, figure out where I was going to go and, like, just in general, like, move, you know, and because I'm done with Uptown, cause just because I'm getting too old for it. I'm growing out of it. <laughs> and when I found Robbinsdale, I was like, I think I'm in love. I know. <laughs> so, it's cute. Yeah.
0: And I feel like there's a lot more coming, you know? So we were, we were... We don't compete, really, with other restaurants and bars on the block, which I also love. Like, Mm -hmm. Josh and I would never have considered this in Minneapolis, quite honestly, because we knew, he knew, the climate and culture of restaurants in Minneapolis and it was cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, the market was so saturated. There's basically too many bars and restaurants, um, yeah. which now is not the case because so many of them have closed, but it wouldn't have, I mean, if somebody would have approached us and said, Hey, we have this building, you know, Northeast or whatever, you want to mm-hmm. put a place. I don't think we, the conversation would have gone very far yeah. because I think there neither of us felt, um, we just didn't feel that confident about... Sure. ...something like that. And, I mean, this... I really do believe that the birdhouse happened because of exactly where it is. Yeah. It, even though the timing was crazy... Yeah. It It happened because of the timing, you mm-hmm. know, like... Even one year from now, I feel like somebody else would have come in and some and had the concept we did. Yeah. It, you know, like, it would have been too late.
1: I don't think it would be quite what you guys did, though. I think what you did with the concept of the restaurant is so unique that it's it stands out. I don't think – and I've worked in the service industry a long time, and I've worked at some really cool places, and I really like the way you guys do everything, the way, you know, the menu, the – the atmosphere, the kid friendly, everything. Yeah. I like it a lot.
0: Well, thanks Brit. We love having you. Yeah.
1: Oh, Hey, thanks. Well, and I, you know, like,
0: you know, I know people that have been doing this in the service industry. Like it, can, it, it can be a really unhealthy environment. Right. And yes. we've all been in those situations and in those places where you go home at night and think, Oh my God, why do I work there? Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? You know? Yeah. And, um,
1: like is the money you, worth it? Yeah, like, and it is. It, it's a lot of money, mm-hmm. and
0: so you do. There were times. I mean, back. <laughs> I joke and I'm serious, but I made more money ser- as a cocktail server at a bar than I do as a full time teacher. You oh, know, I'm so I mean, sure. yeah. the money can be great, but you do some nights you get home from work and you think, "Am I selling my soul?" You yeah. know, to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Josh and I have always sort of. I mean, we always loved to just lay around and talk about ideas or whatever, but we were so determined that you could have a healthy environment. Like, you could create... The service industry can be a healthy place to work. Yeah. You just have to put effort into it, you know? Because you're constantly, especially if you're a place that serves alcohol, you know, it's like you've got these things around you that are easy temptations, right? Or easy... But I think like he and I are just pretty determined that we can prove that you can be a healthy place. We can put mental health first, you know, like we're raising money currently raising money for NAMI. Yeah. Right. Because that's super important for us Mm -hmm. because the mental health in the service industry is such a like deep, dark secret. You know, Mm -hmm. people just don't talk about it and it's, it's really, it's a lot of stress and personally, watching this last year unfold especially Mm -hmm. my husband who's been you know the one working at the restaurant more Doing I I, I mean I there were points I resented the birdhouse over the last year because I was so angry that we tried to do this or that this is you know because it's been so hard and it feels like an uphill battle all the time and I watched my husband you know just I mean he's exhausted yeah recently I think we're finally at a place where we can say okay it's gonna get better
1: yeah
0: we we survived we just wanted to be open a year yeah. our goal was we wanted to prove to ourselves and we can make it a year you did
1: it. we did it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah last month we were open a year and so Obvious, I think yeah. we both honestly felt like okay we made it to our goal because once COVID became a thing that when you asked about like how did you decide to keep going? Yeah, we sort of said to ourselves, let's try it for a year. Yeah, because we figured if Don't we're gonna walk away, yet. if we're gonna walk away and claim bankruptcy, yeah, we could do it before we try.
1: Yeah,
0: or we might as well try and then walk away See, and claim how, bankruptcy. That's right? how
1: I would feel too. Yeah, with it. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad because we guys- did. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad and too. we're ma- we're gonna
0: make it. Like yeah. there was we did, back to Robbinsdale and being such a great, cute little place. Yeah. They rallied. So when October hit and restaurants shut down again, and the only thing we could do was takeout, and then we also started delivery. But we did our own delivery. We didn't want to do the third, you know, the third company. Um, And I'm telling you, people were ordering takeout like crazy from us. People Because they were just so excited to have this new option in town. And so I'm telling you, like, the community was like, you guys are going to freaking make
1: it. Yeah, (laughs) and I mean, just... um, the fact that you got to open for a window is like a perfect opportunity for people to get a taste of like Mm -hmm. know that it's a great restaurant so that when you did shut down I feel feel like that's more people to support because if you didn't get that chance for them to come in maybe you they're like who is this who are you
0: yeah it's very true you're right because then at least we got a little bit of a window that's
1: really yeah I think that's pretty good timing
0: yeah by the time the winter hit so October we closed back down By the time the winter hit, so like January maybe, that's when things were getting real real bleak. Because at that point, you know, restaurant, it kind of was still like, well, when are we going to be able to open back up? Mm -hmm. I mean, we were making some money with takeout and delivery, but it was just covering costs. It wasn't really, you know, we had hardly any staff at that point because it was, most people had you know, chosen to furlough themselves. And then yeah. we only had a few people that stayed on to like do the expo and driving and, um, and that, but that was when things got like, yeah. So you, had, you
1: had a dr- delivery driver. Yeah. We had oh, a few wow. of them.
0: Yep. Cool. Yep. Cause it, you don't like the third party delivery companies take a lot of money from you. And I just, I don't know. can
1: Yeah. You had a, trying to, to keep it careful. local. Yeah. yeah. So also, we did.
0: Yeah. And then we had, but we had to, We would have closed our doors if it weren't for doing a GoFundMe Mm -hmm. last winter. And it was, I am, it was one of the hardest things I've had to do.
1: Ask for money. Yeah, yeah. it felt
0: really yucky Mm
1: -hmm.
0: being in that position. I mean, and there was absolutely no other choice because we were, we were going to close. Like we were yeah. pretty certain, like we had sort of mentally prepared for well, it's, it. It's almost
1: like you were putting the eggs in the basket of the people saying like, if you do want us to be here and be open, like, you know, and you want to help us, this is an opportunity too. And so yeah. they, no one wanted you to close. <laughs> no. And
0: it was crazy. I mean, I, we raised, I think $18,000 for wow. GoFundMe in a week.
1: That is awesome. You know,
0: absolutely. And, and I heard
1: people also bought like gift cards too.
0: Yeah, lots and, like, of people were buying gift cards. Um, they were just kind of like, whatever. What can we buy? How can we help you? You know, it was just crazy. Like the lo- the little local media yeah. station was, you know, coming in to cover us and just things like that. Where I really, truly believe that that kind we never would have been able to survive if yeah. it weren't for the community in Robbinsdale and that's surrounding. Awesome. Right? Um yeah. And so that's the stuff. Like, we'll never forget that stuff.
1: Yeah. That's so great. And I just think, too, the fact that people want gift cards is, like, they're, like, just expecting you to make it. You know? <laughs> they're like, we'll be back. I know. Yeah, we'll I know. Card.
0: Yeah. I remember thinking that when they're, like, all these, because that was kind of a push for a while, is everybody's buying gift cards. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what if we can't stay open and all these yeah. people have gift cards they can't you use? you
1: refunds or something? <laughs> I know.
0: But, oh, my gosh. I don't have to worry about that. No, that's great. Yeah, that Um, is
1: great. A lot of people were doing gift cards too around that time. Like I remember salons and yeah, I think that
0: was kind of a push for how to help your local businesses was inject some cash by buying a a gift card. Yeah. I remember there was something I remember on the internet where it's like, buy gift cards and throw them away. (laughs) It was almost like donating money to the, you know, which I don't expect anyone. I would like them to come in and use their gift. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know I sold gift cards for photography even for like the first time. I'm like, okay, this is weird, <laughs> you know, but a lot of people didn't use them. <laughs> like, yeah, they're right. just like, just whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, I always thought that I'm like, is this just going to be like a world of everybody using gift cards? Like when we back open back up, like, and then are we going to lose money again? Everybody? Cause everyone already paid. <laughs> I, don't know. I know. Right. Yeah. But it worked. It's been working out. <laughs> I think hopefully, so. Hopefully we don't have another knock on something. I don't know. I know.
0: I hope not. That's And that's sort of like now seeing schools Yeah. and seeing what's happening in the schools. It's like, yeah. oh, God, please go Ugh. get your freaking shots, people. Cause
1: yeah, everybody. I don't should. want the restaurants to shut down again. No, me neither. So tell me... Um, I'm going, I'm going back to the fact that you do all of this, um, how do you stay like mentally, physically healthy and like to wake up and get enough sleep and like get all these things done in a day that you do?
0: Well, I guess the honest truth is I don't know how mentally and physically healthy I have been, right? Like, you know, and I (laughs) mean, just real talk, I don't think I have been very healthy, because I don't, you know, you're just, like, going through the motions a yeah. lot of days. Um, now, therapy.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Therapy is helping a lot, and mm. I'm totally open to talking about that and breaking yeah. down the stigma about it because it's, like, I think, holy bananas. I That's think
1: everybody <laughs> needs therapy. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really do. So that, that seems to help you just stay sane and doing everything. Yeah, and, and figuring
0: out, like... Tools, You know, I mean, I was having a hard time coming up with my own tools for how to, like, manage all of the stress. Mm-hmm. And I needed help. I needed somebody else's help to help me, like, mm-hmm. kind of make a plan. You know, yeah. I like plans. I'm I, a planner.
1: I like that too. I agree yeah. in the same way. So it helps
0: my brain stay calm when I sort of, like, you know, have this plan. or <laughs> And I feel like that's what therapy recently has been helping me with is, like, how to prioritize, you sure. know what I mean? Because that has gotten hard. And I think, like, luckily, Josh and I are at a place where, like, I mean, it, being a husband and wife and being together for a long time and never – we never knew what it was like to work together or to sure. own – I mean, we – you know, and that is a whole, whole new world to take on with your spouse where oh, it's, like, yeah, all it's of a, a sudden – you a whole new relationship. We're business partners, Yeah, you know? And – but in all fairness, I have my career, yeah. And when when this was all decided, like we were gonna do this, I mean, I am fifty percent owner, and I get to make fun decisions. I would say, but um, the reality is, in order for our marriage to work, our life, the birdhouse, like Josh, has, Josh runs it. You sure. know what I mean? And yeah. so, but just figuring that out has mm-hmm. been hard. Just yeah. you know, navigating through that. So I think. Um, our kids, like watching our kids grow up, Mm. you know, a family business and it's truly a family business. Like they have, you know, they get hauled around down there and they get, you know, set them up on screens (laughs) in the office. And I mean, they've had to spend probably too much time there. Um,
1: But I think I always thought that that was um, just having kids being a part of your, like work is always important. Just seeing you guys work hard. Yeah. Just because maybe when they get older, they'll understand, you know, that life isn't always trips to Disney World and going to the park.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Or if you want to go to Disney World, you got to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been fun.
0: um, My... Stepson, Jackson, is, works for us, and he's worked for us since we opened. Um, you know, and he started off, like, he was a delivery driver. Oh, he was and a delivery Yeah, he was cool. our delivery driver. He loved it. Um, and, you know, Expo in the Kitchen and some of that wall, he's now grown into. He got trained in. He learned how to serve. Yeah. He's loving life because he gets to make tips now. Right. And, um, and Josh has, is teaching him bookkeeping. So, like, Jackson's doing bookkeeping with Josh. It's That's so great. cute to it see them, great. like, down in the office. And they're both just such numbers nerds. Like, they totally – it's something I can't stand. But, like, you know, <laughs> they have their spreadsheets and they're not you know. But so, it truly, like, we are a family business, yeah. you know, because Jackson, like, he he's loving it. Yeah. And it's been a way to get close with him. That's
1: so great. You know, great. to
0: have an adult relationship with him. Yeah. Which is – crazy, but, um... Do you
1: feel like uh, having opened this restaurant, you get that more than before? Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah. And, I mean, there's the good and the bad, right? Because it's like our kids also have as much fun as some of this has been. It's also, they've watched us struggle a lot too, you know? And so, like, including Jackson, I mean, so seeing the good, the bad. But I think that like, currently, today, I would say that, um... Our kids see us smiling and enjoying this work, you like, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's no longer just this constant, like, oh, my God, you know? Yeah. It doesn't feel like crisis all well, the time like it did a for a while. a lesson,
1: too, to see the struggles and see that, you know, there's positive things at the end mm-hmm. of them, and you just have to keep going and get through the hard times. So.
0: Well, and never before, like, in Josh's, you know, 25 years of managing restaurants, it's like, there's never been such a shortage of employees. I mean, it's... When has it ever been hard to find a bartender?
1: I know. Never.
0: Never. <laughs> never. Usually you have a line of bartenders yeah. out the door, and it's hard to find a job So what is, the,
1: what is with the sort shortage? Because I do know that, like, I understand people are on unemployment for a while and just kind of sitting on that. Do you know why now it's hard?
0: I really don't. I don't know. And I know, like... I get kind of defensive in my brain. Sometimes it's like, you know, a lot of things on social media talking about, well, yeah, everyone left the industry because it sucks and they're doing other things. And it's like, okay, I get that. But I also think that's throwing a lot of shade on people who make a really good living in the service industry. Right, right? saying that
1: it sucks. I, I really enjoy it.
0: <laughs> and you're really good at it, Britt. Oh, know? Well, thanks. And like, so, thanks. And I think that's where, like, I mean, I know teachers that are leaving teaching to go bartend because they don't want the stress of teaching for less pay than they. I mean, they can work 10 less hours a week and make more money. Right. Right. Like, so I feel like that's, I don't know. I don't really, I get it. And I am all about increasing wages and having livable wages for people. And you know, that's Mm -hmm. something Josh and I have strived to do. I mean, in our, like we would love to consider a fair wage restaurant right like sure. where you take away tipping and mm-hmm. you try to pay everybody a fair wage I don't know that our client I don't know that we're ready for it in the area it's we're a in huge change it's a huge change yeah and so you just have to be careful because even though we have some restaurants around us that do it they are higher end restaurants
1: right their price the high, point is higher that's and that's what would have to happen mm-hmm. and I don't know if people are ready to to do that
0: right yeah so we haven't jumped on that yet however i think that there are a lot of ways that i don't know i just want to p- sort of try and help educate and break the stigma that like oh the restaurant industry is dying it's like yeah. really because people aren't going to go out to eat anymore i mean yeah. are you kidding of course people that's going to be a staple in life yeah. that's that i would say is one of the biggest reasons we've always dreamed of doing this is because going out to eat makes people happy
1: yeah it does it's a celebratory
0: thing right Mm -hmm. like you rarely go out to eat when you're mad no yeah (laughs) you go because you're wanting to see friends you're wanting to celebrate something you're wanting you know and it's like it's one of those areas of our world that you know i Mm -hmm. i think will always be there because we always need merriment in life right Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. exactly and i mean how many Sometimes you have like friends and families like your birthday where are we going to eat or like let's yeah mm-hmm. or just sometimes you just don't want to cook and you want to just enjoy the people around you and
0: that's the
1: best way you know or
0: well and selfishly like I can't believe that a year into it I am not at all sick of the food like I still eat birdhouse food <laughs> Me all either. the time oh my
1: gosh the food. Can we talk about how good the food is? It's good. It is so good.
0: And I don't take credit because that is so not me, but it's good food. It's really good food. I'm proud of everybody. Those
1: roseberry mashed potatoes, too. Like, I went out to a restaurant, I won't say which one, but I went out to a restaurant out in Shakopee for a meeting and I was like, yeah, I I think I want something with mashed potatoes. That sounds good. It was terrible. I was like, this is so gross because I'm so spoiled by like really good mashed potatoes at the bird I I eat those a
0: lot right now too.
1: Yeah. I'm just like, I, I had to go, I had to go order some when I was back at work because I had to get that gross taste of those mashed potatoes out of my mouth.
0: I know. It's funny. And I, you know, we, we obviously really wanted good food. That's Josh and I aren't chefs. So that's not our background. We I mean, we've hired
1: yeah
0: too many over the last year. Let's sure, just say yeah. that. But. That's been a really hard thing, keeping our kitchen staffed.
1: Yeah, and also it's hard to find somebody that you fit well with.
0: Yeah, and that just fits, you know, and that is... There's chef culture. Yes. And um, I think we were looking for somebody that was maybe not fully immersed in chef culture. Because Mm -hmm. part of making your food... Like, good food is awesome. I don't need it to be food that is... I don't know how to say this. Too
1: weird? A little too weird. Like, too fancy, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I get that.
0: And, like, I love burgers. Love them. Love Make
1: a really good burger. burger. And that... (laughs) Honestly,
0: that was one of my biggest gripes for those 12 years I was living up in our neighborhood was, like, there's, like, nowhere to go. Just get a good
1: burger around
0: here, you know? Yeah. So that was one of... That was really one of my only... The two things I wanted were good burgers and they really wanted brunch because that's the other thing is we just don't have a lot of places around us that you can get breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, and my favorite meal to go out for is brunch. Hands down. Love it.
1: I love it too. You can just
0: sit and you can sip coffee and you can talk with your friends and like, I love brunch. And so it took us a while. I mean, we didn't get it started until, you know, this past spring. Um, but that has been going really well. Like I, I, Jada and I went and had brunch um, yesterday there, and it was such an awesome vibe. It's so
1: funny. I went on Saturday too, <laughs> when you? I yeah, and I loved it. Yeah. It was a
0: great vibe. Like it was busy, but it nothing felt crazy. Like yeah. I, this every the staff was doing a great job. Yeah. Like it has a vi- the birdhouse has a different vibe. I would say now than a year ago, where it just. Things feel just calmer. Yeah. You know, things. And I know that that's just the growing pains of obviously a first, you know, first year restaurant. But like, yeah. oh, the staffing stuff feels a little calmer, a little yeah. bit. And I don't know, back to your question about why. I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal is with. I don't know. I, I will say, like, we put out, you know, an ad on Facebook mm-hmm. and we get a lot of. Sure. Response, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we posted about a bartender last week and it's like, I mean, we had five resumes in that first day. It's just making it, making sure it's the right yeah. fit, you know? Yeah.
1: And I do think that, um, people go through changes, like after the pandemic, like a lot of changes, like, well, where am I going to be? Or like my restaurant shut down and you are, maybe people are switching careers or something. I do think that a lot of people worked in the industry because they got sucked in and they're like, well, this is good money. I can do this Mm six, who cares about my degree and whatever. And I think maybe now people are like, oh yeah, what about that degree? Now's a good time to start finishing that Mm -hmm. degree or something. But I think that's not everybody. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I think a lot of people are taking some hard changes and looks at their life. And maybe it is hard to find somebody who wants to go back into being face-to-face with people during a, <laughs> during well, a pandemic, because right. well, it is yeah. scary.
0: It is scary, you know, and you have to be in the public eye. I have a friend, who We had dinner a few weeks ago, and she, she is a server, and that's how we met, was at the Bulldog years mm-hmm. ago, and she's a career server, and she was... We were talking about this, and she's like, this is the greatest time of my career because I have all of the best options like all of the big name restaurants in minneapolis where you can make you know they're all hiring yeah and so she's just like
1: here we go (laughs) stable young
0: Joni, bachelor fire you know like all these places where you can just sit down and and she's like i have the best pick of industry jobs that i've ever had and i was like that's a really good point like yeah And she's like, it's awesome. Everybody else wants to get out of here and do something else. Cool. Leave me with all the jobs. I was like, that's
1: a good point. That is. Yeah. I think, yeah, I I actually, I know that when I started at the birdhouse, I actually was um, just doing photography. I was collecting unemployment and I wasn't even sure if I was going back to the service industry, (laughs) to be honest, because all the restaurants I worked at shut down and I was kind of the on-call person. So like. Muddy Waters, Dark Horse, and Leading Tower Pizza. I had like one shift a week, and then I just filled in whenever you know I had a gap in my photography schedule, and I could help out when someone was sick. And um, so I wasn't even sure if I was gonna go back. And then I I came in and, like I just love the vibe at the Birdhouse, and I was like, I'm coming back to bartending. I love it. Like so, yeah. I think um, it's really hard to define like a restaurant that you can actually like work with and. Um, especially during a pandemic, I think a lot of people realized there's certain restaurants that they just, um, they didn't care about their staff and they're like this whole time, you know, it comes mm-hmm. out and I think that's a big thing too. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I don't know. It's crazy. Like it's been a crazy year for everybody. So. Well,
0: and there's certain, like, you're a perfect example of like, you know, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. You have all these other things going on. bartending. Yep. Bartoning is perfect for somebody like you because mm-hmm. it's not a full-time job. barely hear it. Okay. All
1: right. We're back. We're back. Batteries <laughs> recharged. Yeah. So I think we're talking about um, being like an artist and like being able to do... Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I... Um, yeah, I like the idea of, to just being able to meet people face-to-face. And then a lot of my... A lot of people that I have as a regular client for photography are people that I met at... A restaurant, You know, we mm-hmm. have got to face-to-face talk to them about art or photos, and right there. You know, like, I don't need all that, all the, mar- that is my marketing, and I get, you know, I get paid to hang out yeah. with people, too. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like, you can, you know, you can work, even even for me now I mean I only do it usually when somebody gets sick or whatever but it's like I can pick up shifts at the birdhouse you know like Mm -hmm. if somebody's I can serve for a shift and it's kind of like oh yeah this is fun I forgot yeah but I love it because I it's it's a social outlet too I realized especially coming you know COVID when you just are so isolated from people and I realized like once the birdhouse opened, some nights I'd be like, oh, "I'll go work. Just because it was like... Yeah. I have such a craving to talk to people, you know? And it was... Right. I, that's, I think, truly why I really like restaurants, because I'm social.
1: I know. I'm too, I am, too. I love to meet people, too. And well, that's why, again, I put this podcast out, because I get to meet so many cool people and hear their stories. Yeah. Especially over drinks at a bar. And I'm like, oh, someone else should hear this story. Or, yeah. You know? So it's nice. But... Yeah.
0: The podcast of a bartender. That's a great... I know. That's actually it's a great, great... You could... Someday when you do your next series, it could be that. Because think of all the stories you hear, Britt, as oh a bartender. My. I hear so many
1: stories. <laughs> sometimes, I do have to say, do you ever... you Did you just serve or do you bartend and serve? I or? never have
0: bartended, no. Okay. I have no idea how to bartend. So,
1: okay. So I feel like maybe this is more of a bar thing, but you get it serving. But sometimes you hear so many people talk and tell stories... That like I just want to go home and like turn off the lights and not like I'm absorbing like everybody's like bad day or something like oh yeah. I'm so sorry in bed okay okay you you know and you sometimes you just get so many that you're like okay I just need to be alone it's
0: too much right well and that's the hard thing about that job too though because you're having a day where you're not feeling too social you yeah. still have to sort of like turn it on yeah. you know
1: oh yeah that's yeah it's it can be hard but. I love it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with what I do. I know it's... And I, I kind of feel guilty. I'm like, why don't I work at, like... I don't know, how some musicians are, like, music teachers, and then they are in their bands and stuff. It's like, I'm not having a job that's in photography with it. But it's okay. I like it.
0: But I think also you could get burned... Really burned out of photography if it's all you Like, that's why I do think... Well, and maybe why I got into the service industry. Well, no, I was just in college. But like, you can do other things, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can do other things. You may have yeah. another daytime job, or you may—I mean, whatever it is. Yeah. Or, You know, think about like, even the people at the birdhouse. It's like, some have kids, and so they're home during the day with their kids, and then they serve There's on a nights lot of and weekends. Teachers that work there. I know, and that is not <laughs> all my doing. I, I know. swear. Because I didn't even know them all before they started. But yeah, it's kind of funny. But I think that it actually just reinforces my point that serving is a lifeline for teachers. Like, even though these industries feel very separate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the bar industry and public schools don't really have a connection necessarily. However, the connection is a lot of teachers have worked in or work in the service industry wow. because yeah. it's a job that you just aren't making a ton of money, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning. And again, like serving and bartending provides like that supplemental income. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. I do actually, I'm always a little surprised by how many servers or how many teachers have been or are, you know, servers or bartenders. Um,
1: yeah. I was really surprised. Yeah. I've, I'm like, there's so many teachers that, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's a little bit heartbreaking. I mean, like, I'm glad that there's yeah. a job that they can do, but at the same time, we are, we shouldn't... <laughs> if you go to school to get a teaching license, which is expensive, let me tell you, and a lot of us have master's degrees, so it's like I have, you know, eight years of college I'm trying to pay off to just to have this job... It seems super counterproductive that yeah. then they need to get a second job just to pay.
1: <laughs> that is right? so crazy. Yeah. And I always thought that, too. I was like, these to me, being a teacher is almost like, especially to children, is one of the most important jobs. Like, they should be getting paid, in my opinion, the most. <laughs>
0: like, uh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, we should get paid more, quite honestly, yes. (laughs) I'm not trying to be rich, ever, and that is not, you know, opening a restaurant. Nobody becomes a teacher to be rich. I mean, money actually is very unimportant to Josh and I both, which is probably why we're good together, because neither of us really care about money or any of that, but, like, just needing to, you know, survive. survive. And, like, I you know, back when I remember the feeling of, like, before I started working at the Bulldog, I had gotten my teaching job. And, you know, a single woman living in a one-bedroom apartment in Uptown mm-hmm. back then, I mean, that was super expensive. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just remember the fear I had of, like, oh, my God, my paychecks do not cover my bills. You know? Yeah,
1: that's scary. And
0: so I think there's, there's probably a lot of us who it's like, oh, thank God for that part-time job. You yep. know, and it's not just in the service industries, teachers of, get a lot yeah. of random part time jobs, but
1: I know a teacher that's an Uber driver make his own schedule, yeah.
0: Totally. That's I have a teacher friend who did does the same. Nights and
1: weekends. Yep.
0: It's kinda perfect, you know? Yep, exactly. I think yeah. And I mean, we've had kids for a while, so mm-hmm. there were no side jobs. The kids are side job, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I mean I think there's some full-time staff at the birdhouse but for the most part a lot of our tipped employees are part-time yeah. or you know have yeah. other gigs going on
1: yeah yeah totally i know there's a lot of them some of them i have in particular i'm mind blown they're like this is like my fourth job <laughs> like oh my yes. gosh how do you do that that's i mean i i shouldn't be saying that like before i before the shutdown, I had four, four or five, no, like, seven jobs. And I was, yeah, so I get it. But <laughs> sometimes it's the generation of side gigs.
0: <laughs> well, and, like, our hourly staff, so, I mean, licensed staff, like, we're on salary. But mm-hmm. tons of other positions in schools are hourly positions, you know, that they're making an hourly wage. And it's crap. hmm You know, and my heart breaks because, well, like one of our servers right now, I mean, she usually has three to four jobs because the the job at the school is, you know, 32 hours a week at whatever. So it's not even enough to live, you know? Which that's sad, too. People shouldn't need to have three jobs. I just
1: think that they're taking care of and teaching children, and they're around children. Um, They should be mentally healthy and part of mental health is being able to pay your bills right. you know and not right. having that stress um and also emotionally and not having to work all those hours and getting enough sleep and i just think that that alone they should be getting paid more for that reason but
0: well and i think through like especially during covid it's really kind of become eye opening like there's not a lot of incentive left for people to go into education. You know what I mean? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the incentive is obviously to help students, but just meaning, like, this job has gotten a lot harder. Mm -hmm. The pay, I mean, we never get pay raises, you know what I mean? And so it's not really keeping up with, I would say, like, the demand or the stress. And so... Unfortunately, like we're seeing educators leave the industry pretty rapidly right now.
1: Oh no.
0: And I think it's just that they're totally burnt out. You know what I mean? Like coming back, there's this fatigue right now coming Mm -hmm. back into this school year. I think where it's like we all exerted all of the energy we had left in our bodies (laughs) last year. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we were still running on adrenaline in March, 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. Then coming back last school year is when we sort of had to, like, really exert all the energy because things were back and forth, and it was just kind of crazy. And everybody, like I said earlier, you know, you, we ended the school year kind of like, oh, okay, okay. Whew, we survived, you yeah. know? Like, we got through all of that craziness, and now we get to be back to normal by August, and now it's like... So I'm just... There is such a palpable vibe right mm-hmm. now amongst the adults in schools that they're just like... I am freaking tired. This is exhausting, you know? And everything's compounding. We don't have buses for students. Teachers are staying two hours late waiting for kids to get rides because we don't have buses. We don't, so it's like, and it's hard to really think, like, these. you know, not to get into politics, but it is hard to really understand and, like, wrap my brain around why is there not a better plan at this point? Like, y'all have had a long time to make a plan. right. And it feels really like there's not much of a plan right now. Like, I, you know, even, like, where's our governor? Yeah, I haven't heard him speak for a while. You know, like, it just feels like everybody sort of, it was so intense for a while. Like, the support for schools and everybody, you know. And now it's sort of like, hello, do you guys, did you remember about us? Did everyone forget about us? Like, we're still out here in schools with kids getting sick every day. You know what I mean? It just feels like. The, the the whole vibe around it just shifted and now it,
1: yeah cuz I haven't really heard much before he was I mean I would tune in and hear him almost every almost every day.
0: He's pretty involved, yeah. yeah. And like other states are bringing in the National Guard to drive school buses.
1: What? You know?
0: Yeah. That's,
1: I didn't hear about Cause that. Cuz there's such
0: I mean the school bus shortage is crazy. It's it's been hard for a while to hire bus drivers like prior to COVID and I mean it was it's one of the the jobs that's hard cuz it's not necessarily full-time hours you know they're kind of split shifts it's kind of a weird gig but now I mean it's damn near impossible to hire bus drivers wow. right now and so For instance, like, Jada. I mean, we pulled her from her bus the first day of school because... And I get a call every... It's like a robocall, but every single morning at 6.30, I get a phone call saying that my child's bus has been canceled due to no driver. Oh, So, I mean, even if we... She wouldn't have had a bus this whole time anyway, but you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy.
1: That is so crazy.
0: It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um... But yes, so that has been a solution in some other states, though, as they bring in the National Guard. Wow. Not that I want, like, you know, armed people in military outfits driving buses necessarily either. <laughs> just, but
1: just put them in tanks. Yeah, right. Just throw the kids in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> just take a ride, and they probably think that's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's affecting though. These are this. Those are the issues in schools that are just really hard yeah. to swallow because it's. affecting different kids so differently you know what I mean like I really am struggling with the fact that we still have affluent white kids on buses that just don't need them you know what I mean and like those are some of the struggles and my job that I have is just the inequities Mm -hmm. you know and in a city like Minneapolis that's such a segregated city Mm -hmm. by design Mm -hmm it has such an, a negative impact on students, you yeah. know, because of the, the, just the natural landscape of our city is the way it's made up is pretty racist, you know? Yeah. And this bus is, it just made me think about it cause it's like this busing issue is just one of those things that highlights the inequities, right? Like bus drivers get to choose their routes.
1: Oh wow. Okay. And so
0: we don't have very many canceled buses right now in South Minneapolis. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, I struggle so much with that because those aren't the those aren't the families that need buses. You right. know. So right. like, yeah, those are. But so in my perfect world, they would have to restructure it because our students receiving special education services are legally required to have a bus mm-hmm. if they quali- You know, like yep. that's the actually the only like right to transportation. Um, And so right now we have a lot of special ed buses that aren't running or aren't showing up. And, Mm -hmm. like, we can't keep doing that. So they're going to have to make some shift or prioritize the way that they are doing it because we have to be able to staff all of our buses for our special ed students first. I don't know.
1: That's crazy. Wow, I didn't realize it was that bad.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's really bad.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Some of our schools have, like, they'll have none of their buses show up after school.
1: So, why, so, I guess, why are there no bus drivers?
0: I don't know. Everybody, you know, it's, like, kind of the same thing people it's well it's crappy pay it's crappy pay but i know like in minneapolis they're paying them 25 bucks an hour i
1: actually heard with it a
0: three a- thousand dollar signing bonus yeah and they'll pay for you because you have to get a cdl license you mm-hmm. know and like they'll pay for you to get your license and so i don't know that doesn't sound horrible to no. me i had a
1: friend who was a bus driver and she loved it and she got paid pretty well
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't personally do it but that's sure. just because i wouldn't I don't want to drive the city with kids, but yeah, but I think um, so. I'm not really sure, and maybe that is low pay, but I go. I don't have anything else to compare it to, I guess. Yeah. So some people say they're hard jobs to fill because, like, they're not just like a straight eight-hour shift. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. you work in the morning. And you work in the afternoon.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think you have like some hours off in the day or whatever.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's a little bit more difficult, and
0: it's flexible though. And I know, like bus drivers, some I've had seen bus drivers that have their kid on the bus. Like they have young kids and they bring them with them to drive yeah. bus. You know what I mean? Oh
1: yeah, you can do that because you I, have uh-huh. kids mm-hmm. on the bus.
0: I've seen I've oh. seen moms with their kids, like a little three year old or whatever, that rides around. Yeah. While she does her routes. Yeah, yeah and
1: they can hang out with kids and. That yeah that's not a bad deal
0: it's not a bad deal necessarily but I don't know
1: that's hard maybe they should give a bonus or some I don't know what they should do (laughs) I don't know
0: yeah we're doing a lot of hiring fairs right now I know like the district is doing like sign up on the spot for the you know what I mean like hiring people on the spot for jobs
1: yeah I wish dogs could have jobs and my dog can help pay the bills, drive some kids around. Yeah. (laughs) Nally, what do you think? She should be a bus driver. She's just... Just Are you just too chill for that? (laughs) She is so chill. She's the chillest dog.
0: See, then maybe I would get a dog. If I could get a dog like Nally, then I would get a
1: dog. That's funny. I had a friend who said the same thing, so she actually adopted a dog that looked like Nally. No. It was is a naughty, very naughty dog. Like, you can't just get a dog that looks like her and expects it to be her.
0: No. They all have their own personality. It's like kids. You're like kids. (laughs) They all have their own personalities. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I covered mostly everything that I wanted to talk about. Thank you so much for coming on here.
0: Oh my gosh, super fun. Thanks for having me, Britt.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: It's flattering that you think that I'm cool enough to have on a podcast I mean no no one's
1: ever thought I was that cool (laughs) I think you're pretty cool
0: Well, I think you're pretty cool thank you thanks oh thank you for listening today